coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. You're actually working in a Disney store, not because <laughs> you have to, because you want to. Because I want to and because I like the music and I was getting really tired of sitting around the house staring at the walls and my wife was very happy when I left for a couple hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, you were saying you grew up on Disney. Didn't you work at Disneyland at one point? Yeah, I worked at Disneyland in college in uh, 1986 to 1990. So I was there for uh, five summers and weekends and holidays. And I was a train conductor on the Disneyland Railroad. And I drove the vehicles on Main Street. And then when they really wanted to punish me, I was out in the parking lot, parking cars and... <laughs> I was a 19-year-old who was driving a parking lot tram at 12 miles an hour with 150 people on it through traffic. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. And let me start off by also saying this. Do not eat pizza at the Walt Disney World Resort. Do <laughs> <laughs> you have a favorite menu item there? Only because of the name. It's called Taste Like Chicken because it is. <laughs> Coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download. And then you can listen to them anytime you want, like on your morning jog or commute to work. On today's show, our featured guest is Brian Levine. Brian is a Disney aficionado that will give us his top picks on what to eat at the parks. At the top of the show, we'll be talking about fettuccine Alfredo. We, we have, have a great, great show, show, so stick around. around. on the menu. Here in St. Pete, we have a special place that's unlike any other barbecue joint. Dr. Barbecue is a restaurant for foodies. Dr. Barbecue is also the dude that's a barbecue hall of famer that won over 400 competitions. We'd say he knows a thing or two about barbecue, but let's hear from the man himself. Hey, it's Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. A couple of years ago, after almost 40 years of cooking barbecue, I decided to open a restaurant and St. Petersburg was the perfect spot. I'd been living here for 10 years, so why not? At Dr. Barbecue's, we cook all our meats the old school way, in our huge smokers over oak wood, low and slow. Even the most critical experts agree that we've got the best barbecue in town. But it's not just about the meats. We've got great house-made sides, handcrafted sandwiches, and even a healthy selection of vegan and vegetarian options. Add in a really fun brunch, two bars, and a friendly staff, and I think you'll be glad you joined us. 
We're at 1101 First Avenue South in the Edge District, right by the roundabout. Get yourself to Dr. Barbecue, pronto. As a St. Pete Foodies listener, you should also check out the Zest podcast from WUSF Public Media. You know, the Tampa NPR folks. Every Thursday, host Dahlia Cologne shares everything from food history to the best restaurants you haven't tried. There's recipes you'll want to try and a different slice of our state's foodie scene. The key lime actually is native to Southeast Asia. The English sailors were called limeys when they found out that they put it in their barrels of water to get rid of that brackish well-watered taste, they uh, didn't get scurvy anymore, so they wanted them in all their ports in the tropics, so they took the seeds and planted them. So that's how we ended up with key limes down here. We invite you to listen to The Zest on your favorite podcast app or at thezestpodcast.com. Tell Tell them St. Pete Foodie sent you. St. Pete is all about local, and this year we celebrate a local legend's 25th anniversary. Roland Oates Market and Cafe was founded in July of 94 by Bert Swain and Larry Schwartz. From the beginning, Roland Oates has made a commitment to provide St. Pete customers with the finest quality organic whole foods, nutritional supplements, and body care products at the most reasonable prices possible. And now they have a South Tampa location too. We go there for many items, but they are the only place that we go to buy our raw probiotics and other supplements. They have the best organic whole food selection in town. And on the flip side of that, they also offer a fantastic selection of wines and an unparalleled selection of local craft beer. Rollin' Oats has a cafe open daily, which offers delicious sandwiches, burgers, soups, salads, bowls, wraps, entrees, and fresh made smoothies, along with a variety of prepared and packaged take home meals located in the market itself. Do you pride yourself with supporting local businesses? Well, put your money where your mouth is and get on into Rollin' Oats today. Rollin' Oats St. Pete is located at 2842 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Street North. And in South Tampa, you'll find them at 1021 North McDill Avenue. Check them out on the web at rollinoats.com. That's R-O-L-L-I-N oats.com. And Rollin' Oats offers online ordering with curbside pickup. So today we're talking about fettuccine Alfredo, as you said in the intro, Lori. And I'm referring back to episode number 145 with Chris Cutler. She's the president of the International Food, Wine, and Travel Writers Association. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of an expert on Italy. She's written tons of articles, published in a bunch of different magazines and blogs and and everything. And one of the things we talked about with her is like the American Italian dishes that were created here, perhaps by Italians that don't exist in Italy. And fettuccine Alfredo was one of those amongst several others. Mm -hmm. And then I'm listening to the Milk Street Radio podcast. And interestingly, this goes back, this is is their podcast that came out back on June 11th, but they published an article about this on their July-August issue Mm -hmm. of the magazine. And part of the description of this episode, it says, learn to make the original fettuccine Alfredo. I'm like, huh? Now, the title of the episode is totally different. They do a lot of different subjects. So if you're looking for the title of the episode, it's From Asia with Love, Guangdong Meets Sydney. That's the episode title. Mm. And here's what they say about fettuccine Alfredo. Disdain, disbelief, dismissal. Brace for them all. It's the cycle of responses that spill eagerly from Italians to questions about a dish Americans consider culinary canon. 
fettuccine alfredo <laughs> tourist food right an american bastardization nobody eats it right and they're right because the, what we have here what we call fettuccine alfredo doesn't resemble what the original one was oh right okay Why? so how's that different well what we have is uh it's creamy rich it's ubiquitous to italian american menus but something was clearly lost in translation ours is larded with heavy cream milk garlic flour multiple varieties of cheese and most american alfredo is sodden it's a sodden fatty mess mm-hmm. right don't even talk about adding chicken shrimp or mushrooms to the right. equation right so true fettuccine alfredo contains just five ingredients fresh egg fettuccine butter parmigiano reggiano cheese water salt sounds good to me yeah so it's warmed by the just cooked pasta the butter and cheese should melt into the smooth into a smooth creamy marriage and the starchy water helps pull it all together so it's deceptively simple but also shockingly easy to mess up so the story begins in 1908 not long after alfredo di lelio opened his restaurant his wife was weak from childbirth to restore her strength, he reached for a recipe recorded as early as the 15th century mm-hmm. called Roman macaroni. Hmm. Pasta, butter, salt, and cheese. And apparently it worked. His wife insisted that he add the ancient recipe to his menu. Ah. And guess what happened? Nobody cared. <laughs> that is until 1920 when American actors Douglas Fairbanks and Mary Pickford dined with Delelio and were smitten with the dish. Mm. and oh and by the way the tradition is it's assembled table side oh so they, they toss the pasta cheese and butter table side it would not be as exciting as the bada bing i wouldn't <laughs> right <laughs> so word spread and then soon everyone from albert einstein and amelia earhart to sir arthur conan doyle and eventually Jimi hendrix crowded the dining room now uh delelio in addition to being italian was also jewish the war comes and he flees. Mm. Okay, so, and by the way, this is a very much shortened version of the story. So right. I'm leaving out a whole chunk of stuff that happened during the war. Now the war's over, and now in the 1950s, he comes back. His old restaurant's still there, but it's being run by somebody else. So he opens a new restaurant, and the name of the restaurant in Italian means the true fettuccine Alfredo. Ah. And this is in the 50s. Now, we find Ella Fitzgerald, Ernest Borgnine, and the Mr. Walt Disney dining <laughs> in the restaurant. And we're going to be talking about Disney coming up next with Brian, as yeah, far as what to eat yeah. at the parks. Right. So today, the restaurant is run by his granddaughter and great-granddaughter. And, and where, they, where did you say it's located again? In Rome. Oh, okay. In Rome. So, and, and, and they're still doing tableside assembly. Now, here's the other interesting thing. There's other names for fettuccine Alfredo. Pasta in Bianco, Burro e Parmigiano, Pasta Pancia Sconvolta. And the guy telling the story says that the, the translation makes him laugh. It translates to white pasta hmm. or butter and Parmesan. And it also translates to upset belly pasta. <laughs> That's it's great. going back to the origin. Right, 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 right. So that ancient Roman macaroni turns out evolved into the chicken soup of Italy. It's into the dish that Italians make, particularly for children when they feel sick. That's funny. So 
and one of his uh, his granddaughter says, when people used to come here, my grandfather was asked, what's your specialty? He'd say, fettuccine with parmigiano and a butter. And he said they always responded the same. But we're not sick. <laughs> so anyway, so they do have on Milk Street, they have the recipe for this particular one, except you have to subscribe, which I haven't done. I actually signed up for some of their cooking courses, but this is a separate magazine subscription. I didn't do that yet, but we'll see if we can find that recipe. Okay, we'll be right back with Brian Levine talking about what to eat and what not to eat at the Disney parks. We'll be right back. Hey, Lori, have you ever been to Noble Crust? I have. What do you like there? Pork belly, pimento cheese, and fried green tomatoes are my favorite. Oh, yeah, I love that one, too. They actually call it the FGBLT. It's fried green tomatoes, pork belly glazed with a Tabasco honey sauce and pimento cheese. Mm -hmm. And it's the first item on the menu, so you can't miss it. And I think they should actually call it the OMG. Yeah, you've said that before. The chicken marsala is really good, too. It has chicken and chicken sausage, criminy mushrooms, and four cheese grits. It's so delicious. I love that they mix classics from the American Deep South and Italy. Noble Crust is famous for their fried chicken. I love it. Yeah, and the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. When we do a best eggplant parm list, it'll definitely be on there. Yes, it will. Speaking of lists, Noble Crust made six of them recently. Best Italian, Best Casual Dining, Best Pizza, Best Bloody Marys, Best Meatballs, and, believe it or not, Best Salads. Ooh, ooh can I tell you another one of my favorite items? Yeah. The spaghetti and meatballs. It's oh, so good. man, you're not kidding. You know what? They have a brunch on Saturdays and Sundays starting at 1030, which I love. And the deviled eggs are to die for. Let's go to Noble Crust right now. I'm in. Let's do it. Where can you find the freshest fish in St. Pete? Well, you can't get fresher than caught that day. That's what you'll find at Trophy Fish. The day boat special includes the fresh catch of the day, cooked how you want it, with your choice of two sides and a house-made sauce. They also have some incredible appetizers, like grilled street corn that's like crack, that stuff's so good, incredible grilled oysters, fresh fish spread, and much more. You will also find some options for the land lovers out there. All of this set in a setting that makes you feel serene and relaxed with your toes in the sand, like a day at the beach. They like to call their concept Bait Shop Chic. So head on down to Trophy Fish, where you can grab a boat drink from their full bar and fill your tummy with the freshest catch around. Trophy Fish is located at 2060 Central Avenue in the Grand Central District, they are open Wednesday through Friday at 5 p.m., Saturday and Sunday at 12 to 3 for brunch, and at 5 for dinner. Our guest today is not in the food or restaurant business, but he is an expert on a specific Florida food topic. He's also the host of his own podcast with 462 episodes out, and it's been going since 2012, and I also happen to be his partner on that podcast. Please welcome my second favorite tall, left-handed Jewish partner, Brian Levine. Yeah, Hi, and Brian. I, uh, <laughs> Lori, Lori, you know, uh, first of all, I got to say, you know, Lori, it's wonderful to see you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Emphasis on me. Yeah, but I've known Kevin longer, and he's never taken me anywhere, so... Nah. Uh, I'm, I'm just saying 
So, so yeah, yeah that, this is this is kind of fun because this touches on my, you know, on what is really my my true uh, passion and love, which is uh, the I am a huge fan of the Disney parks. And you're just a big kid. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fine. I'm a big <laughs> kid and I, and I like my toys and I like going to the Disney parks. I'm not so much a diehard fan of all the movies and TV shows and, and all the, you know, all that stuff. My real thing is, and uh, I grew up 45 minutes away from Disneyland. Uh, there are somewhere there's pictures of me at Disneyland at, almost two years old in 1969 because yeah that was the first time i went anybody that can do math is going to know how old you are now so disneyland california yeah disneyland in california yes disneyland is california walt disney world is florida right and and it has to be walt disney world because that's how roy walt's brother uh christened it this walt disney world resort cool So, so before we get uh deep into disney Let's let everybody know how we know each other. My other business is pipesmagazine.com and that's old school tobacco pipes, not weed. <laughs> yeah, your grandfather's pipes. Right, exactly. Yes. And Brian does the uh, podcast for that business and I'm I'm not on it. I just uh, produce. And like I said, you have at when this comes out, you'll have 462 episodes out going since 2012. It's pretty amazing. I don't know how you do it because I want to quit this one like every third week. Oh, I, I want to quit. I want to quit ours every week. <laughs> we met at one of the pipe shows and you were working at uh, one of the places that uh, advertises with us and you've been to a few other places. So you're, you're out of that business now and you're actually working in a Disney store, not because <laughs> you have to, because you want to because I want to, and because I like the music and I was getting really tired of sitting around the house, staring at the walls. And my wife was very happy when I left for a couple hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> right. That'll, that'll help too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you were saying you grew up on Disney. Didn't you work at Disneyland at one point? Yeah. I worked at Disneyland in college in, uh, 1986 to 1990. So I was there for, uh, five summers and weekends and holidays. And I was a train conductor on the Disneyland Railroad, and I drove the vehicles on Main Street. And then when they really wanted to punish me, I was out in the parking lot parking cars. And <laughs> I was a 19-year-old who was driving a parking lot tram at 12 miles an hour with 150 people on it through traffic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, the... The double-decker buses on Main Street were even worse because you were on Main Street. You had this 32-foot double-decker bus that was a four-speed manual transmission, and you had to narrate the way down the street while negotiating traffic. At 19? At 19. Did you have to have a special license for a double-decker bus? No, it was a two-axle. Huh. Huh. Wow. Wow. I actually drove that bus on the uh, on the L.A. freeways with a police escort because it was going to be in a uh, they were going to use it in a parade a couple days later. So I uh, drove that bus at uh, the maximum speed was like 38 miles an hour. And I slowed it down to 30 because I was scared to death of bouncing out of it. <laughs> uh, 
I can imagine. But yeah, no seatbelts, no nothing. Um, just a police escort and a, and a radio in my ear and had to slow it down. But yeah. <laughs> so. And you also have a collection of Disney pipes and tobacco. Yeah, I, I merged two loves with a uh, uh, in in the in the beginning, back in the old dark days. It was a stormy night, and uh, at the at Main Street at the Magic Kingdom and at on uh, Main Street at Disneyland, both of them had full service tobacconists. Yeah, pretty cool. So you could walk in, you could buy a pipe. You can. I've got. Walt Disney World and Disneyland branded pipes, pipe tobacco. I've got a pack of cigarettes that was branded for Walt Disney World and has the little Mickey logo on the paper instead of the cigarette brand. They sold cigars. So I, I merged two two things that I love, which is pipes and pipe tobacco and uh, Disney and started this collection. Uh, if anybody wants to see it, it's on Facebook as the Disney Tobacchiana Collection. It's just a fan page there, and you don't have to <laughs> cool. sign up or do anything. That's, that's cool. Yeah, because Walt Disney was a famous pipe, pipe smoker, correct? Yeah, he smoked a pipe, and he smoked cigarettes, too. Ah. He, he smoked a pipe until about uh, until about the early 1930s when cigarettes became really cheap. Ah. Mm-hmm. And then he started getting money and was a you know, started smoking cigarettes. and. Mm. Uh, eventually the chain smoking of cigarettes is probably what led to his demise, but right. Oh, he's not frozen. His head's not frozen at the underneath pirates of the Caribbean. (laughs) I've never heard that before. I I, I didn't hear that one, but I heard when I was a little kid, I remember hearing like that he had his body frozen to see if like one day science will get to the point where it can bring (laughs) him back to life. Yeah. He's not. (laughs) So, they no longer have the retail tobacconist in Disney for a while now, but how long do you think it'll be before they get medical marijuana stores there? <laughs> Cause it's like doing a whole 180. Yeah. Um, I, I can't see that happening quite yet. Um, they have posted because I, for a couple of years, I worked as a travel planner for, for Disney, an independent vacation planner with a travel agency that specialized in Disney trips. Uh, Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruises. We could book Disneyland Paris. Uh, there were special notifications, especially when uh, uh, when Florida and the threat of Florida going recreational came up that the Disney property is not marijuana friendly. Uh-huh. And gotcha. Disneyland itself in California has signs that says, you know, no possession. Of, you, you cannot possess or consume marijuana on the on the property. But cocaine is all right, right? <laughs> Actually, what really helps is like LSD or mushrooms. <laughs> that uh, would be the best drugs to do at Disney. I yeah. will admit I have done that yeah. at Epcot. That's yeah, awesome. I, I'm just thinking it's a small world becomes a whole lot smaller and, <laughs> and bigger. And, um, and more entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have no experience doing that. And I did not grow up in the 1980s in Los Angeles. <laughs> right. So we're going to get into Disney food. I just have, I have one more thing. And then I don't know if you do Brian on Disney. I want to ask you about the Disney logo because it's capital D, small I, small S, capital N, capital E, small I. Why is well, it N and E capitalized? No idea. So. I, I thought think, if anybody knew, you would know that. I didn't think he was going to know that. Okay. <laughs> no, it, it's been stylized off of Walt's 
uh, off of Walt's signature, which really might not have been actually his stylized signature. Right. Might have been uh, a stylization of it. Yeah. Of a stylized signature. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Because Walt did draw Mickey early on, but really didn't do it much afterwards. It was of Iwerks was the, uh, was the primary animator of Mickey early on. And then there was a couple others that took over and they may have just stylized his name and signed it. And right. I think they also wanted to make something easy for Walt to do his autographs. When right. He- cool. So you live in North Carolina now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I live in North Carolina and I know you 500, come 552 miles to the, uh, to the main entrance of the Walt Disney world resort. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you come here often, but do you make it out to Disneyland? I was, uh, so I was at Disneyland last time was, uh, two and a half years ago. And mm-hmm. on regular trips to California, because my family's still there, one of the benefits of having ah. the torture of visiting my family would be going to Disneyland for a day. Cool. <laughs> Lori's hoping they but, build yeah. a Disneyland in Montana. I don't have to go to Montana anymore. Okay. <laughs> I've been to Montana in the winter. They're not building a Disneyland there. No. no. We've been the only time we've been there is in the winter too yeah. for Christmas. Yeah. It's I, cold. I, I will say though, and one of the best days of my life was snowmobiling in Yellowstone in January. Oh, nice. Sounds uh, fun. Just beautiful. Uh, yeah. Not much food, not much foodie related stuff, unless you like to see where the buffalo comes from before it becomes a burger. Right. (laughs) Yeah. We, my sister lives in Billings, which is, you know, pretty decent sized town, but we didn't really find any food we fell in love with there at all. Right. So we're going to Disney and we're hungry. Yeah. There's restaurants. Do we have some places that you would recommend and some places that you would not recommend? So let let me couch this first of all with saying that I am not a foodie. I would oftentimes pick on Kevin about taking pictures of his food, and I would Uh take pictures of the people that brought the food. I would take pictures of my Taco Bell burritos. Um, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not a foodie. The the two things that I really like is really good tobacco and really good coffee. Right. With that being said, um, when I have people that are going to Walt Disney World or Disneyland, but we'll, we'll focus on Florida. Um, I have restaurants that I think are much better values for an overall experience and quality food. Okay. Um, and for this, I just want to focus on what's in the parks themselves because there's a lot of discussion of the really good places to eat at Disney Springs. And Mm -hmm. there's some really good discussions on, you know, there's some really good restaurants at the hotels, but you've paid your price for the admission. Now, where are the places to go that I think are better food and a better experience overall because of the theming or because of the, just whatever it is. Cause or, or a better experience overall because of the lack of over theming. So let's just start off with keeping that in mind and keeping also in mind that I'm going to talk about normal times, not the times that we're in as this comes out because the parks are going through a reopening process and some of these places that I may mention are not open and functional now, but they're getting 
reopen. So in normal times for your future trips, uh, these are my, these are my places to, that I like to go and I'll give you some places to avoid. Uh, we'll start off with the magic kingdom, which is the most popular of all the parks and odds are you're going to end up there once or twice or three times, right? Uh, especially if you got kids. Uh, my favorite thing to do is avoid be our guest. Uh, be our guest is the beauty and the beast themed restaurant that is overpriced and bad food, uh, for lunch and dinner. Do try to get a reservation for be our guest for breakfast because uh -huh. for breakfast, the food, the meals are 20 to $25 per person. And you get all the theming and the breakfast food is really good. You get all the theming of be our guest without paying the 80 to the 80 plus dollars per person for the not so great food. Sorry, Walt Disney company, but I'm going to, you know, call it what it is. Right. We, right. we have certain restaurants here too, that we prefer uh, for breakfast, breakfast right? and uh -huh. not anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and their, their dinner menu turn. I mean, it's it, just, just do it for breakfast. It's so it's when you say theming, what, what it is involved here? You're inside the beast castle. Okay. Oh, cool. And you are literally inside the, you're inside three of the, there's three rooms from the beast castle and one of them's the Rose room. And then there's a darker room that was the West, uh, the West wing of it where the beast wouldn't let bell go. Uh, there may be storms outside the windows and there may be snow flurries and stuff going on, but you're inside the castle and you get to meet. Oftentimes you get to meet bell or the beast as they come through the dining room. So you get a little character experience. Just do it for breakfast. Don't go for dinner or lunch. Got it. <laughs> uh, if you're, and let me start off by also saying this, do not eat pizza at the Walt Disney world resort. <laughs> <laughs> there are only two places in the entire resort that I consider that pizza to be consumable. The rest of it is cardboard with a ketchup sauce and some cheese melted on it. And it's just terrible. So avoid pizza and avoid hamburgers, except for this one, this one exemption for me. And this is uh, based off of the, at the magic kingdom. If you want to get away from the crowds for a little bit, go out the front gate and take the resort launch boats, which is a nice little boat ride across the lagoon and over by the contemporary go over to wilderness lodge and go to geyser point bar and grill which has the best hamburger i've ever had at the walt disney world resort nice and and the boat launch will take you right there you can get a beer you can get a cocktail you can sit out there and look out over the out over the water and you get a chance to get to the hotel and walk around a little bit you get to sit down on the boat and go back and forth and then when you're done, get back on the boat, take the boat back to the magic kingdom. Right. So that is more of a destination for food where you're not just probably the other stuff inside the park. I mean, you're just walking by it, you know, you're kind of captive, I guess. So they're not, maybe not as concerned with the quality, the quality of the burgers and pizza, I guess. <laughs> and I wonder if do they, do you know, Brian, do they outsource like management companies to run any of the food places? There are a few places inside the property that are Landry's restaurants uh, inside the parks and at the resorts that are in Landry's. Um, there's a couple other companies that are in there and they're escaping my, they're escaping me right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but 
most of them are Walt Disney World or Disney owned and operated. Mm-hmm. Okay. What was the place you just told us with the Good Burgers? Geyser Point Bar and Grill at the Wilderness Lodge. Okay. And they're not sharing their recipe or cooking method with the other, with the burger places inside the park. Apparently, Apparently. not. <laughs> Whatever they're doing, it works. Uh, it's like $14 for a burger and fries and, there- you, and it's comfortable to sit there and, and it's a good escape from a busy day at the Magic Kingdom. So right. Yeah. You can get away from the crowds for a little bit, go over there. You can actually buy a cocktail mm-hmm. uh, and then you can, and then you can run back to the Magic Kingdom. The trip will take 15 minutes each way on the, uh, on the little boat that goes across the water and, and the view's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Two so other, n- so nowhere for pizza. Uh, no, don't, no. don't even attempt it. honey. <laughs> I'm not even going to get into pizza via Napoli at Epcot. That's it. But just my rule right. of thumb is don't eat pizza in, at Walt Disney world. If you want to sit down restaurant inside the Magic Kingdom, the Jungle Navigation Company, which is called the Skipper Canteen, it's based off of the Jungle Cruise ride. So they have a sense of humor in the meals and in the service. The food is good and interesting and kind of, you know, South Pacific themed. Um, but yet it's also still really good food. Mm-hmm. It, also shares its kitchen with the private membership club 33 that is at the magic kingdom. So the food has gotten a little bit better in the mm-hmm. last year or so. Um, but they, everything's got a sense of humor. The theming inside there is great. The, the servers play along with the jungle cruise, sarcastic, goofy, joking stuff. Um, Do you have a favorite menu item there? Only because of the name it's called taste like chicken because it is. <laughs> uh, that's funny and, yeah, and but again, they, they have a pizza called doesn't taste like pizza uh, no they're a good <laughs> restaurant because they don't have a pizza you know so, i mean the, the other places <laughs> yeah no they can't get pizza done right but again and, and when you when you go to a walt disney world restaurant there's going to be a there's going to be a meal option there for everybody so they'll they'll have a vegetarian option they are really allergy friendly they're gluten friendly uh they they have kids options yeah, you kind of have to today these days. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the Jungle Navigation Company is the only sit-down restaurant at the Magic Kingdom that I don't mind paying for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the rest of them, you're going for the characters and the experience. Right. Right. Fast food, or what Disney calls quick service. There's only one at the Magic Kingdom that I that that most people really like. And that's the Columbia Harbor House, which is kind of at the top of Liberty Square, right across from the uh, right across from the Haunted Mansion, mm-hmm. and really just really good fast food options that are really different from the rest of them. And again, no burgers, no pizzas. Kind of a nice environment, and it's got an upstairs dining area that a lot of people won't go to, so you can get away from the crowd and sit up there. So, and what's the food? Uh, it's fast food fare, but there's a hummus sandwich. There's fried, there's a, a, a fish and chips option. There's, you know, there's a grilled fish sandwich, whole bunch of stuff. Uh, if, and Disney also, you can go on to WaltDisneyWorld.com and look up the actual menus of all these places mm-hmm. right now. Harbor house is closed. So, ah. um, it's part of the line for Peter Pan, but I'm hoping they reopen it soon. Gotcha. Uh, 
that is and then the only other option that i like in the magic kingdom area without a reservation is at the grand floridian which is the other hotel right off the monorail so again you got to go out the entrance you can either make a 15 20 minute walk there take the monorail there or a little boat and just the grand floridian cafe is a sit down served cafe thing it's basically the grand floridian's coffee shop Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. open most hours uh, but the food is dramatically better than what you would pay for even at, you know, at, at any of the sit-down restaurants inside the Magic Kingdom. Okay. Uh, coffee suggestion overall for the, uh, for the entire Walt Disney World Resort. There are Starbucks in every park. Look for the Joffrey's kiosk. Mm. Uh, Joffrey's is a Florida-based coffee company that does a lot of interesting coffee roasts and sources their coffees and each Joffrey's throughout the Walt Disney world property will have a different signature blend of coffee specifically for that park. Oh, that's cool. Cool. And do they have alcohol inside the magic kingdom? No. Uh, since he kept saying you had to go over, you could get a cocktail and a beer at the, at the, uh, bar across the wilderness lodge. I gathered that that would be no, except for when Epcot does Epcot does. Yeah, uh, in their, Magic in their... King, the mm-hmm. Magic Kingdom, the only place you can get beer or wine is at the uh, Skipper Canteen or Be Our Guest for lunch or dinner. Ah, mm-hmm. and it's just by the glass and it's and it's very simple and basic. Right. But if right. you want a full menu, a full bar menu, go over to Wilderness Lodge, go over to Grand Floridian. Mm-hmm. You can get in. In fact, the Grand Floridian's got a uh, got a bar that's based off of Beauty and the Beast that's just been remodeled and redone and has a nice view of the property from from the windows there. And you can sit there and have a couple of drinks. Cool. Cool. Hey, Brian, we're going to take a quick break and come back. And what's, what's our next part? Uh, we got three more, but we'll go in age order. So we'll go to Epcot. Sounds good. <laughs> we'll be right back. Keep on moving. One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years, and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete. They also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine. And you can even get a regular old cheeseburger, too, so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. Ramen is the ultimate comfort food, and Booyah Ramen on the 900 block of Central Avenue is my go-to. It's so freaking good. The broth is like a silky blanket to warm up your mouth. And the hearty proteins, or just mushrooms for vegetarians, it'll have you saying, Ooh, mommy, the umami is making my eyes roll back in my head. My favorites are the pork belly and the short rib. Mmm. And then there's the noodles. O-M-G. Go get the best ramen in St. Pete at Booyah Ramen at 911 Central Avenue in the Edge District of downtown St. Pete. Do ya, Booyah? We are back! We are back! We are back with Brian Levine. 
who is a business partner and friend of mine doing his own podcast on pipes and tobacco, but he's also a Disney aficionado, as we discussed, and we're talking food at the Disney parks. And should we go to Epcot now? Let's do it. All right. So Uh, I'm hoping there's more dining options there. They have a lot more restaurants, I think. There is a ton of really good dining options at Epcot. Uh, There is a few really bad dining options at Epcot. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you want to, uh, so we'll start with the bad just to get those out of the way. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the coral reef restaurant at the living seas is a seafood restaurant. And unless you like to see wall carpet and a really big fish tank, there is much better seafood anywhere else. Okay. Uh, so don't go there. All righty. Unless you want the atmosphere of being on the backside of one of the fish tanks and seeing the fish as swim by as you eat one of their cousins. Uh, <laughs> right. Just ignore that one. Uh, the other one that I used to really like until they made it a princess dining, all you can eat thing is the restaurant Ocker's Hoos at the, at the Norway pavilion, because the it used to be traditional Scandinavian fare. And then they dumbed it down because they put all the princesses in and it's a princess meet and greet. And it's just not, I've been to Scandinavia and mm-hmm. uh, the, go to Ikea and get the meatballs. They're better there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all that needs to be said about that. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, every option for dining at Epcot is better than the rest. In fact, the only pizza that I will eat at, at Walt Disney World is at Via Napoli in the Italy Pavilion. And there's a little walk-up counter where you can go buy it by the slice. Cool. But again... Yeah, you've got really good Mexican food. Um, skip the China, skip the China Pavilion altogether, unless you want Panda Express or just oh, a, no. a good experience in a sit-down Chinese restaurant, which you can get off the property even better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember the Mexican place being good. Yeah. Oh, the Mexican place you want the the San Angelo Inn when you go into the into the pyramid and then you sit and then you go down and sit down there and you're there's a volcano in the background and the little boats are going by for the boat ride. Uh, I mean, it's beautiful atmosphere and the food's great. Uh, awesome. Tequila wise, go to the tequila bar in there and try the tequila flight. That's really good tequila. Sounds fun. I yeah. have, I've done some tequila in that place. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, your pain will go away. <laughs> Germany has the, uh, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to goof up the name of it. Uh, but Germany has the Oktoberfest uh, buffet and the food is really good German food. And they have a band playing that's interactive and fun mm-hmm. and it's an all you can eat. Uh, and the beer is really good because it's Germany and in Germany, the only way they make bad beer is by, putting a Budweiser label on it and <laughs> uh, yeah, it's called Summerfest. Uh, but you or the, in the beer garden restaurant. So you, you can eat your way all the way around the entire world showcase and there's right. great options. The one that I like the most, and this is based off of my three, uh, three trips to Paris now um, that gets, that seems to get ignored is uh, chefs chefs de France, and in normal times they do a price fixed menu where you get an a, you mm-hmm. know, an appetizer entree and a dessert, and you pick one or two of the 
of the three options out of each. And it's, it's really traditional. Mm -hmm. uh, wow. It's real traditional French food. Uh, and it's not, I mean, don't, uh, the last time I had it probably two years ago. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the menu right now. It's, it's 5690 for an appetizer, an entree, a dessert, and a glass of either Chardonnay or, or, or you know, a glass of wine or a soda. Hmm. That's not bad. Not for, definitely not for Disney World. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. So they, they figured out French, Mexican, German. You said it was good too, right? Yeah, all the food at Epcot's really good, except for all the of it's fish. good, except for the two, except for Norway and China. Yeah, yeah. Norway. Yeah, and in Norway, you can go to the little uh, the little Kringle Bakery and get some really good, really good sandwiches and good sweets right there, and just walk in, go through, and and you're done. Um, I would, yeah, don't eat the, don't go to, <laughs> don't go the to the coral reef and don't the go coral to, reef was the other one, not, right? Yeah, don't go to China. I, I remember uh, Japan being very good. We ate there last time I was there. So the sushi. Uh, and the and the little fast food grill up in the back of Japan is oftentimes kind of tucked out of the way and you and very few people know about it. It's just a little fast food teriyaki place. You go oh, in yeah. and it's good and you get in and out and you know, sometimes you just need, you know, you need food to sustain you. Right. There's a whole bunch of really good quick options. Um in the uh, in the France Pavilion, there's a uh, uh, the Potisserie Boulangerie in the back that has the uh, jambon sandwiches, the big ham and cheese Ooh, sandwiches, nice. and mm -hmm. and pastries and espressos, all really good. I mean, they're it's hard to find a bad meal at Epcot unless you go to China, <laughs> right. uh, the Norway buffet, uh, or the Living Seas. Uh, the little fish and chip stand in England has got some of the best fish and chips I've had. And I've been to England and had fish and chips. Oh, wow. <laughs> and you can walk up to the little fish and chip stand and get really good fish and chips. So Epcot's really easy to find really good stuff. I think Chefs de France gets downplayed because I don't know why it doesn't get the love it, it should. But again, that price fixed meal at 56, you know, $57. Yeah. Is I have a question on fish and chips. When you had them in England, what are the chips? They're potatoes. But are they like? Are they fat steak fries? What, what, what are they? Are they potato chips? Uh, no, they're not steak fries. They're traditional French fries, thicker square. Mm, okay. okay. And then how about at Epcot? Same? Uh, you know, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, I have to research yeah, that more. I just remember conversation about people saying that um, Americans don't do it right because they serve French fries. Those aren't chips, but I don't know what chips are, unless they're potato chips. But we're going to find out. Yeah, we are. We are going to find out. We're, we planned a trip. <laughs> I can tell you that there is a big argument between haddock or cod. Yeah, those are the two main fish. And I also read that England has a law now that you can't just say fish and chips. You have to say cod and chips or haddock and chips. Oh, or what, really? what, you have to say whatever the fish actually is. That's funny. Hmm. And then here in Florida, they, you know, they, we, we fly in cod and haddock, but uh, then sometimes some places substitute uh, local grouper yeah. or snapper. Well, the galley's the only place I know that uses grouper. Yeah. And uh, Stillwaters uses uh, snapper. Right. As far as I'm concerned, if the batter's good, then the fish. Yeah, is me too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, and Corrigan's offers cod or your choice of local fresh caught fish that day. 
Right. Interesting. Went, went local. So, so where are we headed next, Brian? Uh, so we'll, we'll leave Epcot because Epcot's got a ton of choices. And if you find a bad meal in Epcot, well, you went to the three that I told you about. Hmm. Um, let's go over to Hollywood Studios because we'll go in age order okay. of parks in reverse. So Disney's Hollywood Studios is not the, is not the great gourmet adventure that it really could be. Mm -hmm. uh, it does have the Brown Derby restaurant, which is its premier restaurant, sit-down dining, uh, reservations required. And, and a lot of the, a lot of the sit-down dining restaurants, you're going to want to get reservations in advance of going. So, you, you know, go onto the Disney app and, and figure mm -hmm. that yeah. out. Yeah. We, we, I think 99% of the time make reservations. Right. The thing that I like the most at the Brown Derby, and this is the Brown Derby is based off of the famous Hollywood Boulevard restaurant, the Brown Derby. Mm -hmm. They coincidentally named it the same thing. Uh, the Brown Derby is the birthplace of the Cobb salad. Oh, no ah, way. That's wow. cool. And the Brown Derby at Walt, uh, Walt Disney World at Disney's Hollywood Studios uh, does the identical Cobb salad. Hmm. Uh, they also have a very nice little outdoor patio where you can go and get a charcuterie board or some, you know, you can get some small snacks mm -hmm. without a reservation and you can sit out there and watch people walk by and have drinks and stuff. Nice. So it's another, another nice spot to hide from. Um, the only, uh, the only fast food at Hollywood studios that I really like is the new one in, uh, the new restaurant back in, galaxy's edge and it's called ronto roasters and it's star wars themed roasted meats and fast food stuff and it's mm -hmm. good oh it it's good it's not there's no hamburgers and no pizza so it's great mm -hmm. um but it's just good fun food right and a couple of different options all the other fast food at hollywood studios is um sustainable survivable calories ah and that speaks that's the volumes speaks volumes yeah uh the only one that i will point out because it's one of it's one that i like to go to if i have a choice is the backlot express is a fast food place but it's one of the few left in the parks where the soda fountains in traditional times the soda fountain is out in the public area so you can refill your drinks all you want nice yeah. um the rest of it not so much uh, for for theming while you're at hollywood studios there are two restaurants that the theming is top notch and it's a wonderful experience and the food is good one is the sci-fi drive-in or dine-in theater where you sit in a old 19 in a in a table that looks like a 1950s 1960s car in a room that is designed like a drive-in theater cool. And you, it's like you're sitting outside at night watching the, you're watching previews and commercials from the 1950s and 60s on cool. the, on the big screen, and the food's okay, uh, and the, and the servers shakes? are on roller skates, and they have milkshakes, <laughs> um, and they have little radioactive glow in the dark iced cubes that are all that 1950s yeah. nuclear retro stuff. Cool, uh, cool. So that's just that's just more fun than it is real food related. I do tend to eat the Reuben sandwich there because it fills you up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the other one is the 50s primetime diner. Mm -hmm. 
you walk into a 1950s house and you sit in the kitchen or in the living room and everybody is your uncle or cousin or aunt. <laughs> uh, the, the waiters, uh, the servers, the more playful they are, the better they are. And they will yell at you if you have your elbows on the table. Uh, they will deny you dessert if you didn't eat your vegetables or clean your plate. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, the better, the more abusive and better they are. And the more playful you are with them, the better it gets. Right. And the Funny. food is traditional American fare. The meatloaf there is great. Uh, uh, you talk about milkshakes. If I remember right, I think that's where they have the peanut butter and jelly milkshake <laughs> uh, that has, uh, it, it's got more calories than a Krispy Kreme truck. <laughs> uh, I've seen it. Lactose intolerant can't have it. Uh, so those are, those are my two choices for experiences that are really right. good food. Um, the worst pizza in the entire property is at, uh, pizza Rizzo's at Hollywood studios. And that pizza is just, I, I can't figure no, no Disney fanatic can figure out why Disney can't do pizza correctly. Right. Is it, is it worse than your elementary school cafeteria pizza? It's worse than the 99 cent Tonino's frozen pizzas that I lived <laughs> off of in college that if it melted to the cardboard box, that was fine too. Cause you just ate the cardboard along yeah. with it. Oh, geez. Cause you couldn't yeah. tell the difference. <laughs> and it, and it cost way more. Right. Um, now for the, for the last park, we can head over to, uh, Disney's animal kingdom, which surprisingly has a lot of my favorite dining locations really i've actually yeah. never i've never been there have you i haven't either no. i've never been to animal kingdom so don't uh first of all animal kingdom is a full day park it's got my it's got our my favorite show in normal times it's got finding nemo the musical mm. which i've only seen probably i don't know 45 or 50 times <laughs> Uh, to the point where I'm Facebook friends with three of the cast members. Oh, geez. <laughs> That's awesome. Past, two past, one current. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, you, you know you've been there a lot when they recognize you in the audience and wave at you. And, then, <laughs> <laughs> and you don't live within 500 miles of the place. Um, right. But when you're going to, uh, when you're, when you're going to, to Animal Kingdom, uh, Tiffin's is a top-notch sit-down African-themed dining restaurant that just gets rave reviews constantly. Uh, the so it's African-themed. What what is the cuisine? African food. Hmm. Interesting. It's a whole continent and a whole bunch of countries. Pull up. Let How about pull e up yeah, Ethiopian food? Uh, the dinner menu currently consists of, uh, they have a bread service that is just different kinds of African breads that's off the charts. Uh, my wife has had the shrimp and grits. They have a short rib. It's a tamarind braised short rib, a sustainable fish, a North African spiced tofu. They do a buttered chicken. I mean, it's the, the food is off the charts. Uh, the chart, the chart octopus salad is incredible, uh, which I've had, uh, I believe my son is a huge, I mean, my son works at Walt Disney world. Uh -huh. Um, he is a big fan of the lobster macaroni and cheese there. 
uh, if you have a friend that works at the Walt Disney World Resort, take them to dinner with you because oftentimes they get a good discount. Huh. Uh, the best, the, the second best cup of coffee I've ever had was at Tiffin's. Hmm. And it's a Joffrey's specific coffee that they do just for that restaurant. And it's in a press pot and it's, uh, it, it, it knocked my socks off. Sounds like uh, this might be your favorite restaurant at the resort. No, oh. it's not because huh. I just, because really it's just the coffee that stands out in my mind, but I'm going off of what everybody else has, right. you know, everybody else around me has said, um, it's a little, it's a little pricey and a little dark inside, but the, but the, uh, the design of it is beautiful. Uh, spend some time walking around, looking at the different artifacts that they dug out for each room is kind of themed differently and mm -hmm. you can wander around in there. Um, uh, it's got a full bar, Kevin, you'll be happy. Yep. Uh, but yeah, the, the best cup of coffee I ever had was at, um, at Antoine's in new Orleans. Mm. This is probably the second best cup of coffee. Nice. Uh, so yeah, we I'm, had uh, we had one of our best cups of coffee uh, last was that last weekend. Yeah, we made it at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Lori got the fancy machine. I got the the real fancy Breville barista. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, espresso. It's amazing. It, it was life changing. <laughs> wait, totally. wait, wait! Did Kevin actually stay awake past nine o'clock that night? Doubtful. Mm. Nine, I don't remember. 9 30 maybe wow yeah now you can also just go into the bar at tiffin's and just sit down and order a cup of coffee oh and then, cool. uh, it, it's a press pot but it's good mm -hmm. it, it'll it'll get you jittery for a while <laughs> um tiffin's takes a, the dining there takes a little bit of time so it, again it's more of an experience right okay um yak and yeti is another good sit down option there mm -hmm. uh and Yak and Yeti, I know for a fact, is a Landry's restaurant. So if you're a member of the Landry's Dining Club, whatever, you get their discounts there. Mm -hmm. um, they also have a Rainforest Cafe at Animal Kingdom, which don't waste your time. Yeah. Right. Every, Sorry. Who hasn't been to one of those? Right. <laughs> yeah. So what is the, uh, what's the cuisine at the, the last place you mentioned? Yak and Yeti? Yeah. Yak and Yeti is more Asian. Okay. Ooh. Asian modern fusion. Okay. Uh, that sounds good. Now, a little off the track, uh, the Flame Tree Barbecue is a fast food at Animal Kingdom, and it's really good barbecued chicken and beef and, and ribs and stuff with sides. And really, I live in North Carolina. I've lived here for 21 years. Yak and Yeti's got really good cornbread. Oh, wow. You wouldn't expect or, that. Uh, I'm sorry. Flame Tree Barbecue's got really good cornbread. Right, right. So that's that's a great option. Also in Pandora, where uh, all the uh, Avatar stuff is. Yo, it, wait, hang on, Brian. Before we move on, you're in North Carolina. What's your favorite style of barbecue? Well, I have to say North Carolina vinegar pork, pulled nice. pork. Because mm. barbecue here is pulled pork. Anything else is meat with sauce. Huh. Right. And it's the, the mustard uh, barbecue sauce? Vinegar, he said. Oh, no. It's the red vinegar based. Ooh, okay. Because I'm a big fan of the yellow mustard. That's South Carolina. 
Uh, I'm a big fan of South Carolina barbecue. <laughs> now, when, you, when you eat South Carolina barbecue, because I live in North Carolina, if you eat South Carolina style barbecue, you have to take your shoes off because they don't have shoes in South Carolina. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're all hillbillies. But we had yeah. we had barbecue in Asheville. It was really good. And they had um, the sauce, the yellow mustard sauce. Mm -hmm. Anyway. All right. Yeah. Asheville's a hybrid. <laughs> kind of is yeah <laughs> all right so we're off the bar or off the topic off topic growing back to uh pandora mm -hmm. and the satuli canteen is a fast food that has got uh, it, the food's really good so mm -hmm. it's a really good fast food option um yeah different kinds of meats and rice and and stuff but and again it's all yeah a vegetable plate and it's all themed pandora wise and you just walk in you order your yeah, you order your food and you go and you're talking like 15, 15 bucks for a lunch entree. Right. Uh, and it's basically, you know, different kinds of meats and rice and stuff. Uh, and they do actually have, uh, they have cheeseburger pods that are, uh, they're bao buns and they're, oh. actually, <laughs> they're actually good. Uh, but yeah, so that's a good option. The uh, the other one that I don't want people to bypass, and I'm going to try to pull up the menus of it, is in Af in the Africa section. There is a little there's an outdoor themed market that is walk up counter service stuff, and everything in there is really good. It's usually a you know lamb or chicken. It's called Harambe Market, uh, and it's just a good outdoor fast food very traditional for uh well let's not say very traditional but more traditional style than what you're going to get at other theme parks um but they have a they have a rice and chicken bowl they have a, a salad that's got olives and cucumbers and feta cheese and chicken in it uh they've got a ribs bowl just really good options mm -hmm. and it's and it's a quick service if you are traveling with the kids, here is my one character dining that I like in the entire Walt Disney World Resort that I think the food is good. And it's the Tusker House Buffet in Africa at Animal Kingdom. Mm -hmm. It's got Donald Duck and it's got the, the, the classic Fab Five Disney characters walking around in safari outfits usually and coming around to your table and taking pictures with you. Uh, Tusker House is a buffet, so you do have to get up and go. You know, there's no table service. Uh, the, the starters that they have with the hummus and coriander and the chutneys, they have a couple of different kinds of chutneys that are just really good. You can go get all you can eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds good the uh i, I mean there, there's curry there's beef there's chicken uh, all kind of, i mean it's really it, it's really adult food all you can eat and the and it's a character experience so the characters come around and hang out with you doesn't tend to draw as many kids as it could because it doesn't have as many kid-friendly items mm. um, there's no fish sticks Oh, I'm sure there's fish sticks and there's probably something that represents, you know, cheese on a form of pizza. <laughs> uh, 
but the but the the adult entrees and the and just for the for the the hummuses and the and the chutneys that they have mm-hmm. just set it apart completely and and again it's the only character dining that i really like uh, right it's got the characters but it has adult food right yeah and and unique adult food right that you would, yeah you wouldn't expect it so do you need a reservation there yeah Okay. Yeah, yeah. Anything but the fast food places, you right. really should check ahead of for reservations. Mm-hmm. As a former travel planner and a uh, and somebody who goes to Disney World oftentimes at two weeks' notice, um, the the Disney World dining system requires a ten. Uh, they require a credit card to hold your space, and if you cancel, uh, if you don't cancel within twenty four hours of your or the night before of your reservation and you know show they will charge you ten dollars ah so if you if you decide that you're going to disney world the next day if you're going to drive you know from from tampa bay over to animal kingdom that night before check the reservation system on the on the app and usually by nine ten o'clock at night everybody that had a reservation for the next day and has decided to let it go is canceling and those reservations have opened up for the next oh pro that's a pro tip right yeah (laughs) so look the night before usually after nine o'clock ten o'clock at night for the restaurants that you want for the next day in other words i would have to do that because kevin will be sleeping right (laughs) or in in kevin's case when he wakes up at 3 30 in the morning right right go milk the cows you can check online then too exactly so going back to that last one to the buffet some of the food you were describing there i think you might have a little bit of a hidden foodie inside you i like yeah well i like spicy stuff i like sauces Mm. i like quantity and i like experiences Cool. And I am bar mitzvahed, so I like to get my money's worth. Right. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why I probably that that Tusker House buffet is probably the reason why I wouldn't go to Tiffin's as much. Because ah, right. I like the I like the buffet as much or better. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm not a buffet person at all. Yeah, so that's sounded good though. What? Yeah. It did sound good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there I, we are with the uh, food tips: what to have and what to not have at the Disney parks. Do we have it? Did did we miss anything? No, not that I can think of. I mean, there's great desserts all over the place, and plenty of plenty of options to get fat. <laughs> uh, right. The I mean, the only other the the only other two or three little food tips is one: you can bring your own snacks into the parks as long as there's no glass. Mm. Uh, so if you're standing in line, if you're going with the kids and you're standing in line, bring bags of Cheerios for them and eat and let them nibble on that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can bring your own water bottles in just as mm. long as they're not frozen and not packed in ice. So you can do that and that'll save you some some time and effort and $4 bottles of Dasani. Yeah, I would right. not have guessed that you could do that. Huh. Yeah, yeah. That's, good, that's a good tip, yeah. Yeah, bring your own water bottles. Uh, the drinking fountains at Walt Disney World, because of all the international travelers, the drinking fountains there are filtered mm. and run off of the same lines that go into the soda fountains. Nice. Cool. That's good to know, too. So, you just refill your bottles. Yeah, so it tastes better than normal Florida water, which mm-hmm. is not really tasty. No, I don't drink <laughs> it. <laughs> I shower in it. That's about it. Yeah, and even cool. then, you got to wash that taste off of you. 
Awesome. Well, there, there we are with our, our overall Disney expert, Disney aficionado, and also Disney food. Yes. Recommendations. Brian Levine, thank you so much. Yes, Brian. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Now I'm hungry. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> This is Chris Walker, and you're listening to CP Foodies Podcast. New on the site, we have the 10 best grouper sandwiches in St. Pete and St. Pete Beach. And don't worry, we did this before Red Tide and also just confirmed that restaurants can still get grouper from fishing boats that go far enough out. You'll find all of that and a side of tartar sauce at stpetersburgfoodies.com. Next week on the show, we'll be talking to Max Blowers, the GM and beverage director at Social Roost. If you want to get in touch, just drop us an email at info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. That's it for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guest, Brian Levine. And thanks to our sponsors. Trophy Fish. Dr. Barbecue. Rollin' Oats. The Zest Podcast. Noble Crust. Booyah Ramen. And, and Engine, Engine Number nine. 9. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef. And our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show. And remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold. I did figure out what makes Disney truly magical, though. You can walk around sweating your ass off for 12 hours and still gain weight. (laughs) I know it's 110 out here, but these fries taste great. (laughs) 